Welcome to Sidetrack with Abby and John, a podcast where we talk about motion picture soundtracks and record label compilations that introduced us to the music we love. We talk the songs, the scenes, and everything in between, and we are super happy you are here. This episode, we are talking about one of my favorite, 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 favorite movies, soundtrack, everything. I am totally bugging and digging out my yellow and black plaid skirt because today... As if we are talking clueless. Yay. Yay. Yeah. All right. This is a great movie. I know. I've realized I'm not the biggest fan of this soundtrack. Oh, okay. Oh, I've got reasons. I can't wait to talk about it's gonna it. It's going to be great. This is, I think, no, we will have a few other ones that are also very much my favorite. So I can't wait to hear why this is not your favorite but i will be sharing why it is mine okay okay i'm excited so i guess a couple facts to keep us on track clueless is a 1995 film written and directed by amy heckerling and it stars alicia silverstone stacy dash oh love that human i just this the the whole cast of this movie fantastic you are yes like i wrote cast is all caps fire yes you are totally correct i have been crushing on every single member of this cast my entire life. I love them. Except Elton. Except Elton. That motherfucker. What a dick. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy. R.I.P. I love her. I loved her in every single thing she ever was in. I love Ty so much. Ty, Ty is, is a such fantastic. a she's so cute. Yes, fantastic character. And of course, we have a young Paul Rudd. Yes, that yeah, which the ageless Paul Rudd. But also, he is so little in this movie. I know it is so uh, yeah. It just makes him more endearing. Like yeah, love him, and he's just like a baby face. But as you say, also totally ageless and yeah. Speaking yeah. of ageless, Stacy Dash. Also totally ageless. Oh my God. She's like, what is it, nine years older than Silverstone yeah. at the filming of this? Mm-hmm. And you would never guess. I know. Oh. And I love also uh, Donald Faison is amazing. Murray. He looks also in this, like exactly like he did in Scrubs. Yeah. Also ageless. And uh, remember, he was in the Super Bowl commercial last night. Oh, was he? Yeah. He was in a Super Bowl commercial with. Zach Braff is that oh, that's okay. the other guy from Scrubs, right? Yeah, yeah. They both they look amazing. Wow. Yeah. So I, I mean, don't know. They have like a podcast together, I think. Ooh. Soundtrack was also released in 1995. That was on Capitol Records, and then it was re-released in 2015 for oh. the 20th anniversary on Universal. But it was distributed through Urban Outfitters on black and yellow plaid vinyl love it i know that is super cute it is amazing uh so amy heckerling and music supervisor karen rockman who also worked on moulin rouge pulp fiction and reservoir dogs were at the helm of deciding the artists for this soundtrack they wanted it to be filled with up-and-coming artists that they thought had real staying power and i would say they Uh, succeeded okay that makes yeah yeah i can see that oh my goodness it's gonna be a great talk (laughs) (laughs) They also really wanted to like harken back to like the 70s and the 80s, which they do with a number of covers. Of course. Right? Of course covers. Yeah. So Soundtrack's in their covers. I am always here for that. But <laughs> also, I was two day years old when I learned that Clueless is a loose adaptation 
Oh, I'm so excited. You're learning this right no, now, No, I too. knew this. Oh, you did? Of Damn course. it. I know. And I have an English lit degree. Like, what <laughs> the hell? How did I miss this? But anyway, yeah, so it's loosely based on Emma by Jane Austen. Yes. Which I've never really read any Jane Austen. Oh, neither have I. Yeah. I think, right, it's just the whole, like, matchmakeriness of it all, and right, that is the Emma factor. And then also, I guess, not realizing that you're in love with the guy who's right there. I guess. Probably. Well, there you go. Thanks for explaining the adaptation. Yeah. I wish that I knew it in high school because I totally would have done like a book report or something on this had I known anything different. (laughs) Amy Hackerling is amazing. Yeah. We we love, yeah. She's great. I think I'm super happy with all of the choices she's made. Um, Yes. Amy Hackerling is amazing. She also directed uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. European Vacation and uh, Look Who's Talking. Ooh, <laughs> so good. Did I wonder, did you watch all of the Look Who's Talking? No. I watched all of them. Wow. I loved them. That I whole franchise. Two, of course. Oh, maybe I did see, what is it now with the dogs? With yeah. the With the pets? Oh, it's so good with the pets. It's so good. <laughs> I remember I really liked two. And I guess, you know, yeah. Yeah. I was in a big Kirstie Alley phase, too. So (laughs) as a child, I don't know why she was like an icon to me as a child. It is so weird. The things that you like, liked as a child, like when the fact that I was really into like golden girls and designing women. Me too. And you know, I look back, I loved MASH. No one in my family watched MASH. I just watched MASH. I saw MASH because my dad liked it. Exactly. No, it was just me. Wow. I know, but that's a good show. It is a great show. (laughs) Okay, we're off to a good start. Of course. <laughs> we are uh, sidetracked. Yep, totally. All right, so the summary, I mean, you feel free to add to this. This is a very brief summary because I assume everyone has seen this. If they have not, they must yes. see this movie. Uh, so the delightful and underestimated Cher lives in Beverly Hills with her close friends Dion and Ty. Ty is new to the school. Dion and Cher take her under their wing. Cher has an existential crisis driven by her stepbrother, or I should say ex-stepbrother Josh. Very important distinction. Very important. And she begins to focus on doing good in her community, naturally through makeovers and helping her teachers find love. And, uh, oh, she does that charity drive for the Pismo Beach disaster. I love One of my favorite <laughs> moments is when Travis brings his stuff to the Pismo Beach disaster yes. thing and he donates his bong. And then they get filed under kitchenware. That's where I kept them. Is <laughs> like the way he says it is so, he's so freaking cute. Yeah, he's perfect. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about him in the cast. Uh, why yeah. can't I think of his name right now? Breckenmeyer. Yes, he's oh fantastic in this. Yeah, I love Breckenmeyer. I was obsessed with Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, the nice. final installment of uh, Freddy Krueger. And Breckenmeyer was in that. I did not know that. I know, 1991. So when I saw him again in Clueless... That was, it solidified, yeah, right. my love for him. I, I, one of the things that frustrates me so much in this movie is just how Cher does not want Ty together with Travis. And you're no. like, Travis is the cutest dude yeah. and they look great together. Like, they're perfect for He's each other. He's so sweet. He's so, when she gets the, like, the shoe to the head. Oh. And, oh. Uh, I know. so concerned. Yeah. 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 And she yeah. just wants him with, El- she just wants Ty with Elton. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Well, he's gross. So gross. All right. Well, do we get into the music? 
No, yeah, let's get into the music. I had other things. There's just like one-off <laughs> things, but this isn't a movie. This isn't a movie podcast. It's a music podcast. I don't know though. It could be a. It's a bit of both. I just want. There's a couple <laughs> highlights that I don't think music happens during them, and I just. Want, oh my gosh! I, like yes. I need to shout out. Let's talk. The tardy speech. Oh, I reference the tardy speech. Okay, great. And the, very briefly, because it's so good. You're right. The street slang slash slash misogyny speech <gasps> from Murray. That's I so know. sweet after he calls D mm-hmm. woman all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then like his smile with the braces. Anyway, he's so he's like too clever and cute. They're a perfect couple. And I love them. The other thing that that I find super frustrating is just that they're like, we need to make over Ty mm-hmm. when she is. So cute in that first outfit she shows up in. Like, that would have been the kind of girl I was into. <laughs> like, yeah. baggy jeans, just kind of like, yeah, just, just cute. No need for a makeover. No. Yeah. I still, when I was seeing this for the first time, I remember just noticing all of Ty's tattoos. She right. has a lot of tattoos yeah, for like a 16-year-old. I just I just assumed that everything was different in Beverly Hills. You, well, she wasn't from, where was she from? Uh, do they even say where she was from before she? I think they do. Yeah, maybe. Whatever. Anyway, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a great moment that I personally loved that goes with a song, but it's not on the soundtrack, which is the moment where that's a total 2001 A Space Odyssey ripoff where they they play the music that's primarily in that. And there's a shot of a, a portable phone that's oh, like yeah. the monolith. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, I laughed out loud. Yeah, and I forgot about it. Is that when Christian's calling? I think so. Yeah, yes. he calls and she's shocked because boys don't call until like three days after right. the date. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Anyway, great. So movie. many lessons. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's get into it. Yeah. Obviously, the first track, I love it. I've written way too many notes about it. I just want to make one <laughs> comment. I, this is me. Oh, I'm just like, wait, hold on. Okay, my overall impression of this soundtrack Mm -hmm. and why I don't think it's very good. (laughs) Okay, Okay, this needs its whole own section. It's kind of okay. It's kind of good. Like it's good. There's some good songs on it, but it's the exact opposite of the Crow soundtrack. You know, we talked about how the Crow soundtrack is like got this whole like feeling and vibe. Yeah, this soundtrack is all over the place. I agree. Like, I mean, I guess it would be good at a party. To just put it on because like maybe yeah. everybody likes a song. I also this makes me realize you and I would make the most different mixtapes. <laughs> like that's because true. I want like I want every emotion. Yeah, in but a I want like a, a soundtrack and like I know, but I don't know. I don't I, have any flow. I'm a flow. <laughs> I'm a flow mixtape creator. No, this... it's always got it's a title connection or a vibe <laughs> or like you can't jump. Yeah. I disagree <laughs> because I think this soundtrack is the pinnacle of like what I would want to have created in a movie. I don't know. I think that's it's great. perfect. So, I love it. Yeah. So I can't wait to talk more about this. And I disagree. love our differences. Yeah. Makes us work nicely. Ah, I don't know. Totally. Okay. So, oh, uh, this song opens the entire movie. It opens the soundtrack. It opened my eyes to music. And it is? It is. Kids in America by the Muffs. Looking out a dirty old window Outside the cars in the city go rushing by I sit here 
those guitar strums. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I love the palm muting. It is everything. And then Kim Shattuck's voice starts it off. Just, I don't know. Everything's perfect. Her voice is great. And it's like the perfect kind of pop punk. Yeah. And it suits the music. And her voice is like raw and great. Like, yeah. Her voice is like no one else's. I think it's what makes it perfect. Because I will argue that the Muffs are the perfect band. Love it. Um, But I think that Kim Shattuck's voice is so amazing because it is so androgynous. Like for the longest time, because this is how I was introduced to the Muffs on this specific soundtrack. So I didn't I didn't have any of their albums. I didn't I mean, I wasn't Googling them because that would have taken three days. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I had no idea anything about them. And so when I discovered that, you know, at this point, at this point in the Muffs lineup, they were led by two women. I was just like, holy shit, this band fucking rips (laughs) and they still do kim was known for her scream she was called the best scream in punk rock from the 80s till forever and that's that's where right sadly 2019 we lost kim shattuck to als which so sad sorry i'm gonna take it back a little bit here because i also have to mention that just in this soundtrack itself right within the first seven minutes of this movie we get such huge songs we start out with this one where we're getting the scene of like all the kids in beverly hills and we're totally set up with who they are and then we move into bowie for fashion right and then we move into no doubt and like right off the bat we know that music matters to this movie for sure and we've gone through i mean those are sort of we're getting the taste of the fact that it's not going to stick in one genre or one time frame. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. Which is great in the movie. I feel like it's a little weird in the soundtrack. <laughs> I guess I guess so. I mean, sadly we don't get Bowie or No Doubt no. on the soundtrack. And that's the one thing um Capital didn't want to take the chance on No Doubt because this was wow. actually, I know, I'm sure there's someone's kicking someone's ass about that there's now. There's so many choices on this soundtrack where I'm like, you didn't spring the money for this song, but you I sprung know. for this. Like, well, And they didn't want to take the chance on Just a Girl because that's the song that's in the movie. Right. They didn't want to take the chance because No Doubt hadn't released Tragic Kingdom yet. So they uh. didn't think that... It was going to be huge. Yeah, which now is basically an anthem Yeah, in so many ways. And then just back to the Muffs. I mean, I think Kim as a songwriter had so much influence and you hear it. I mean, even just in this cover, but so much influence on so many other artists. They had the same manager as Green Day. And oh, cool. Green Day said that Kim's songwriting absolutely influenced Dookie nice. as an entire album. And I think you can really hear that on... Every other Muff song. But that's right. the thing, because this song <laughs> is a cover. Of course it is. And we didn't know that, did you? Did you know that? I didn't at the time. No, I no. learned it like, I learned it way sooner than I've learned other things. I agree. But yeah, yeah. I remember hearing um, the Kim Wilde version and just, yeah, being kind of floored because <laughs> it's so synth, right? Like yeah. all of those palm muted guitars are actually just like fast beat synth in the original. And it's a, 
very different yet super similar song. Right. But the Muffs hated this song. What? Right? They <laughs> uh, they said that they never, ever, never played this song in full aside from the studio recording. Wow. So they. So w- this was just for this movie? Just for this movie. Wow. And they never played it live. Obviously, super requested <laughs> and always refused. Yeah, probably like every show, somebody's just there yelling it. And like... Right, exactly. It is, it's like a bittersweet song for them because it is their biggest song. It's their best known song as a band. But they were a band from like the 1980s in some incarnation to their last album in 2019. Wow. And this song that they didn't write is known as their biggest song. And this, like the Clueless record, got a gold record. Right. But the Muffs didn't because they didn't write Kids in America. Right. So that's got to be a kick in the ass. At least they made some money off of it, I'm sure. They did. And of course, do you remember the Muffs were just so renowned amongst like, I guess, college stations. And they were just so like known for being awesome. This was also the year that the Muffs were in a Fruitopia commercial. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember the Fruitopia commercials with like the tie dye and it oh, was yeah. all yeah? I totally forgot about those. Yeah. yeah. So this was the year where they were sort of like, I don't know, making money um, in ways that they never thought they would. Right. Because yeah, so they actually had more money than they probably did when they were just playing like Gilman. Right. I assume they played. If yeah. They were in with Green Day. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think when it comes to the Fruitopia commercial, the director of that commercial just loved this band and so used them without any permission. And when the Muffs were asked, finally, they said, "Sure, but we want to get paid a lot of money. Like, this it. is Coca Cola. Yeah. Like, this is Coca Cola Company. You can pay us a lot of money." So. Yeah, and they've gone on ever since. So they've released, uh, how many? I think it is seven full-length albums, with the last one being 2019. So they have had a lot of staying power. They were just covered by the Linda Lindas. Oh, man, the Linda Lindas. Love them. And they cover cover my favorite song, which is Big Mouth. But um, yeah. I'm going to have to listen to some muffs after this. Right? You totally do. I yeah i'm sure i will love them i based on this why have i never listened to more before yeah absolutely and you will i think when it comes to this soundtrack it is a great introduction like this song on this soundtrack is a great introduction to this band but it is in no way representative of how fucking incredible they are Ah. because they really do just i don't know they write a mean pop punk song it is also a great introduction to this soundtrack. Like when I was listening to the yes. soundtrack, I'm like, this is the song I think of. And then I heard the next song and I was like, do I even know this song? Did I ever listen to <laughs> after the first track of this right? soundtrack? Right? I know. I know. This was, it was easy with when you were listening to this on tape because you listen to the first track and then you just flip it over and listen to the last track, which also we'll get fantastic. to. Yeah. yeah. Also fantastic. The two standouts. Totally. They it's are. a beautiful sandwich. Um, one thing that I noticed in this movie, so I noticed the exact same thing about the first seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is soundtrack packed. Yeah. There's going to be so many songs. There is, I swear, at least like a 15-minute chunk later in the movie when there's almost no music yes. whatsoever. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. It's so weird to go from music is like the most important thing in this movie yeah. to, nah, we just don't need anything here. <laughs> not even, not anything in the background, nothing. Yeah, yeah it's wild. Yeah. Well, next track. I don't got a ton to say about it, but this is Cracker, Shake Some Action. 
like it's a dancey one. I love that we both. I know. Started. There was a lot like, of shoulder shaking. Bopping to it. <laughs> uh, After you said, "What's next song?" But see, I still don't. It still it just kind of disappears on me though. Yeah, this. I don't know. This song is weird. I think this is like a weird choice. It's a weird rendition because this is also a cover. What? I did not know you that. You did not know that. No. Okay, well, there you go. Who was the original This was originally by the Flamin' Groovies. They, this was their single from 1976. Oh. They loved the Britpop style. So I always am like ready to say like, oh, they were Britpop. But no, they just loved it. They right. were an American uh, punk band. They still are heralded as some of the most influential like punk originators. Cool. The original of this song is pretty badass too. This version, I mean, do you remember Cracker's big single? The only Cracker song I really know is Big Dipper. Oh, see, and great, I only know like, Low. Do you remember? Low is like... I don't know if I know Low. See, Low is everything that was kind of like that college alternative, like Temple of the Dog kind of oh, okay, yep. stuff, which I'm sure people would not like that comparison, I'm ah. sure, but that's sort of what I lumped it in, right. lumped Cracker as a band into, and then... This song is so different. It's very different. And then it's so different from Big Dipper, which is like a low key, like it's got some twang to it. And like, it's, it's a really nice song. Yeah. They were also on the Empire Records soundtrack the same year. So they clearly, people were interested in them and they had a sound, I guess, but. I would have in my head lumped them more in with the like Counting Crows scene. Oh, yeah. Is the song so. after this. Which, yeah, that's true. Hey, look, see, there's a little connection, there I guess. There you go. So why don't we, yeah, I kind of don't have anything else to say. So um, I feel like, oh, I just loved the scene that this takes place in is the montage of her like trying to get better. Uh, oh, better grades. Grades. Yeah. Which I think it's, it's like a great montage song. She's shaking some action. Mm-hmm. She's like going around doing stuff. And I love mm-hmm. that um, when she gets the better grades, I just love the line from her dad. About how like he couldn't be any prouder if she had got them like the real way. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a lawyer. And so mm-hmm. he, <laughs> which then like, you know, there's the bit about how he argues for a living, but he argues with her for free because she's oh, his daughter. Yeah. This song actually, I believe also comes back in. It's in the Pismo Beach. Uh, yes. I ha- oh, I do. I have that. I do have that noted down. Which um, is so funny when a song gets used twice. Yeah. To me. And there's, there's two songs that do that in this movie. Okay. Okay, we'll get to the second one because I just thought that I was wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the, I, it. Okay. Well, okay. Um, oh, one thing that I also meant to mention in that block, the opening block of songs, mm-hmm. another song that is used is when we get introduced to Murray, who comes in to shoot. Oh, yeah. Right? Again, I thought I was getting some salt and pepper and I wasn't. I'm wondering what salt and pepper's like label contract was or whatever like either did they refuse soundtracks like to actually be published on them did their Mm. label refuse it did they ask for too much money research like what is the deal that they end up in movies but not on published soundtracks yeah it's a great great question i love salt and pepper yeah me too me too but from there heading into a nice what's the i don't know a nice boring song. I don't like this song. <laughs> oh. Man, 
was a liar All the papers lied at night But falling over you Is the news of the day I was like a pretty big Counting Crows mm. fan for a while, um, okay. specifically August and everything after. Then they did one of my favorite moves of all time. They released two albums, and then they put their third album is a double live album. Oh, I love double albums. It's ridiculous, though. It's like they take they have two albums to draw from, and then they put out two, like a double live album. But what was really cool about that live album was that one was more like an electric mm-hmm. performance and one was more of like an acoustic performance. So you have some songs that are on both of them. Right. Because they only have, what, like 20-something songs maybe yeah. from two albums. And right. so they repeat some, but they're totally different takes on the same song. Yeah. So it's really nice. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I got, I got very little to say about this song, except that this is a cover. Oh, I did not know that, but it makes sense. Because I was right? like, is there only a live version of this? Yeah, they Which... just, they, as a band, decided they wanted to do a super, um, yeah, like a super raw, just dialed back cover of the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, that's who it is. Yeah. And I mean, I would say... The original is also very like lulling, but it's all synthy and yeah. Another question, is this also in the movie twice? There might be three songs that are in the movie twice. I don't know. I said, is it in the movie twice or am I confused? Maybe I'm not. Anyway, the time that I know the scene that this plays in is Josh making out with his girlfriend. Yes. When Cher calls him from the circus liquor store (laughs) to like pick her up after Mm -hmm. she had to lay down. Yep. In her dress. Yep. Well, yep. getting, after getting, what did she say? Sexually harassed and mugged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The it, sexual harassment comes from Elton. Oh, fucking Elton. Yeah. That, He's the worst. He is the worst. And the I think. The fact that he too, actually leaves. Sorry. Exactly. No, that was from the minute I first saw this movie. That's, I still think about that. It's like you left her. In, in the valley right i don't know and i don't know anything about the valley except no, what i've learned in movies and yes. you don't want to be alone in the valley Apparently at 16 not. in the middle of the night yeah dickhead it's yeah. it's bad but yeah i don't know i like i've always liked adam duritz's voice how can you it's, not it's a nice song it's a it's a nice song and his voice is nice and i i do like counting crows an okay amount just yeah. not a ton right so and i find that song that was that was a song like a fast forwarder oh i know they really Sorry. counting crows really make me think of my wife so oh. that's nice okay well yeah that's nice and it's valentine's day today when we're recording yeah so. happy valentine's day <laughs> do you know who counting crows make me think of my high school principal oh because his name was mr jones Ah. And so whenever we would do year-end videos, it always went to the song Mr. Jones. And then he retired. And then, you know, everything had that song playing too. So That's hilarious. So very different. I like who Counting Crows remind you of more. Yes. Than that. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, all right. Next song? Yeah. All right. So Luscious Jackson here. But this is the squirrel mix. Is it squirrel or squirmel? Yeah, 
I do not like this remix. No. Like Luscious Jackson, great. Yeah. This, and this song is a good song. I figured I couldn't play, like I didn't listen to the non-remixed version. Yeah. So the original, the original version was a single. It has a banging, banging video because Stacey Dash is in it. Oh, man. Brittany Murphy's in it. Amber's in it. I'm so, I forget oh, Amber's like. I know. I don't remember the either. actress's name that plays Amber, it's but Amber. it's Amber. She's Amber She's forever. Amber, exactly. Um, and they actually are at a roller derby rink. Love yeah, it. That would right. Be great. Luscious Jackson was on the same label as Beastie Boys. That's yes. sort of how this all came about because they weren't really super. I don't know. They weren't super into it at first, being on this soundtrack. But they realized they wanted to release. You know, they were releasing an album this year. They wanted to release here as a single, and they knew that this would help get the word out. They were super stoked about the video that they also, you know, involved clips of the film, but they never really got to interact with like Stacey Dash or Brittany Murphy Aww. because they were too busy learning to roller skate because they didn't it. know how to roller skate <laughs> and they really underestimated how much work it takes. Right. Just like me. <laughs> ah. So you've been trying? I uh, Well, I've been trying ever since I got them and right. I still uh, don't really know how to stop and, you know. They're a little scary. It's it's terrifying. Right, because Luscious Jackson was on Grand Royal, right? Which yeah. is Beastie Boys' yeah. own label. Yeah. Um, also, it might be the band. So Beastie Boys originally had a female drummer. Yeah. Um, and I think she ended up, she might have ended up in Luscious Jackson. They've had a number of lineup changes, so very um, possibly. I think they talk about it. If you There's a really great uh, Beastie Boys documentary that's actually just... The two surviving beasties um, on stage. It's like a live recording of them kind of doing a version of the book that they wrote. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it. It's really good. I forget what I forget what everything's called, but I think I've seen that too. The drummer's name was Kate something, and I think she ended up playing with Luscious Jackson. Oh. So they kind of did her really dirty in oh. the whole process of becoming the Beastie Boys. Right. So when they could put her band on their label, they were like happy oh. to have that connection and friend back, which is oh. kind of cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I did yeah. not know any of that. I don't know very much about the Beastie Boys. I love the Beastie Boys. Nor do I know really anything about Luscious Jackson. I, I think, don't know a lot either. I think they're cool. I know the singles. Part of what makes them so cool is like how difficult they are to pinpoint. And this song is the perfect example of yes. that. Like they are genreless. <laughs> but that was also what deterred me, I think, from really diving right. into them as an artist that I continued to listen to from this soundtrack. So I love when this plays in the movie. It's yeah. one of the times when they're just like, here's like a really brief throwaway. Yes. But it's just Christian dancing oh, by himself. By himself. Just throwing down after the Mighty Mighty Boston yes. concert. Yes. And like everybody's packing up yeah. and they're leaving. Ty's asleep. Cher's just sitting there. Paul Rudd's being delightful. Uh, of course but, he is. Um, yeah. I feel like we all have that friend, and I sometimes think I am that friend ah. <laughs> that stays a little too late right. after like a really good night out. <laughs> yeah. So, but I agree. It's, it's just a going. great, great scene. Yeah. I love Christian. Christian's slang, so funny, like so all the good. words he uses. And when he gets called out by Cher's dad for like wanting to be a part of the, the brat or the rat pack. Oh, yeah. 
Um, it's so funny. Yeah. Like how I almost said Brat Pack because I'm, of course, I'm always thinking about the 80s movies. <laughs> so. Yeah. But he's a great character through and through. His and car I think, is amazing. Yeah. His clothes are great. And the older I get, the funnier he is. Like, I yeah. think there were illusions made when I first saw this that I didn't really get. And now every time I watch it, it just is funnier and funnier. Yeah. 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 So from here, we go to a band we just can't get away from apparently not <laughs> oh world party they're back they're here they were like people love them for soundtracks i guess and the song is all the young days I started wondering when after you mentioned that they were on here, I'm like, was this just studio musicians who just got contacted to record covers for soundtracks? Mm -hmm. But they did release actual albums. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, oh, they weren't just a soundtrack band. Like people obviously really liked them. They, I don't know. But for me, this song actually gets really good. Yes. This song's great. But (laughs) this cover. Which it's a cover. I didn't know that until you told me. Why? Have you listened to the original? No, sorry. I forgot. It sounds <laughs> exactly like this. Oh, really? Like pretty much. I was like, why did you even, could you just not afford to pay Mott the Hoople? Yeah. For, to use their version? Because I swear there's like, it's it's really close. To me at least. Well, oh, I love the chorus. Yeah. The chorus is great. I don't know. I should have listened to the original. Do you know why this song is great? I know you're going to tell me. It's because it's written by David Bowie. There you go. How can it be anything but fantastic? There's part of this song, too, where he is just, I swear he's doing vocals just like trying to sound like David Bowie. Well, how do you sing a song by David Bowie and not? Yeah, I guess right? that's a good point. I don't know. I don't I don't remember. I guess, yeah, the Mott the Hoople version. He probably sounds a bit like Bowie in it. Mm-hmm. Also, so yes, this was recorded by Mott the Hoople, which I'll just keep saying because it's one of the best, worst <laughs> band names ever. I, I don't like even hearing you say it. <laughs> Bowie offered them Suffragette City, which is a fantastic song. And they, and took- they were like, mm, no. <laughs> and then they took this. Well, I don't know. I really decided I like this song when I remember the time it's used in the film. Because <laughs> yes. you just see the montage of high school boys. With pants real low and like baggy Remember, 90s pants. and it reminded me of Jinko jeans. Oh my God, yeah. Right? Back like, when I used to buy my pants, not by the the, the size of the waist, but by the size of the yes, leg hole opening. Right? And like, I think it's just Canadian. I think Randy River is just Canadian. Yeah. But Randy River had like the cheap knockoffs. Oh, no, but you could go cheaper. <gasps> Where? Stitches. Oh, yeah. Which, I feel like Stitches Girls wasn't the same. Uh, Stitches, we, yeah. We specifically called Stitches Big Pants Cheap. <laughs> and then, That's like, an incredible name for a store. <laughs> right? Okay, they, we might franchise it. They, they sold Big Pants cheap. Yeah. And then, but yeah, so my first ones, I think were stitches as my leg hole opening was getting bigger yeah. like my first ones are from there and then i started going to rain i think River. what do you think was your biggest pant leg it was never enough to cover my whole foot That's... but then i have giant feet yeah i think it was probably like 28 
that was your biggest? <laughs> well, you still wear large leg hole openings. So I only say that because I remember distinctly, as you say, Randy River had like the, you know, like the sizing sticker on the legs. It would give you the waist. It would give you the pant length, like the inseam. Yeah. And then it gave you the measurement. And yeah. I distinctly remember buying 36 inch bottoms nice. from Randy River. Oh, I might have gone up to into the 30s. I yeah. don't remember. But Do you remember? Yeah, Jinko had like. Ooh, Jinko! I had, saved up all my babysitting money for Jinkos. Because they had one of them was the mammoth that had like mm-hmm. a giant mammoth patch on it too. Yeah. And then, do you also do you remember Snug? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes, I do. I I did have a pair of snug jeans. They were like the crispiest denim. Right. When I think back now, I don't know how in the hell I wore that. But They made a lot of stuff that wasn't denim too, like because it was a lot of rave wear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was like really nicely nostalgic. Sorry, I haven't thought of that brand. Oh, amazing. I don't know. It was a very interesting fashion choice and it's back. I know. It is Back, well, Jinko is they were, or maybe they aren't, they but they were doing stuff for a bit there. Snug has an Instagram, <gasps> and I think they were re releasing some stuff. Oh my god, follow, follow, follow. I they can't were wait. Canadian too, eh? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, I've seen a couple like memes of how like current kids don't know the pain and it's somebody mm. standing in super wide leg jeans and they're just like wet up to the back it's of the me knee. it's me <laughs> even just every day yes. yes i have to strategically plan what pants i can wear out in the snow because yeah just living in a snowy climate is very hard to be fashionable in so many ways but if you like wide yeah it took like me wide leg pants so long to mm-hmm. get down to like being like, no, I I kind of like a tapered jean now. <laughs> but it took years of like going from big to like straight yeah. leg, like loose ones. There was some boot cut for a while, but I mm-hmm. do I do not like boot cut on me or like most men. It's a little. I anyway. sold jeans. I sold jeans for fifteen years. I love I love most cuts. I right. think everyone looks beautiful in all denim. I love, all quality I denim. I love but... denim so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just buy really cheap denim now though. It's really hard to get them in my inseam. So I can imagine. Yeah. Like, what is that? A thirty six? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So I totally wrote about all the young dudes I wrote. Love the ass shot of the dudes to start. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, grade nine, grade 10 me, mm, like an ass hanging out of jeans. I didn't know that you could wear your jeans any differently. Ah. I thought that was just it. And that was a great look. Yeah. Your baggy uh, boxers. just mm-hmm. All the young dudes, all the Jinko jeans. So <laughs> good. So good. Okay, so... It's a big one. This is a big one. Yes. Radiohead. Fake plastic trees. But acoustic. 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 Green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic cup So you good. want you want an unpopular opinion? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. Radiohead is not for me. Wow. I'm not even I heavily appreciate them. I have a friend who's a wild fan about of, the, of them. I think most people 
are like if you like them you like them a lot oh yeah yeah i just fully appreciate them as musicians i think they're great this song is great yes and i agree with all of that i think that like every album is beautiful it's super artistic but they're just not for me when you hear this song in the movie it's actually a scene where it's like playing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Either that or Cher is breaking the like fourth wall because she hears this song and refers to like the maudlin tones of college radio. Yes. So she knows Josh is there, mm-hmm. which I think is great. But then I still end up questioning whether you can actually hear it in the movie or where it's like voiceover her hears it because they leave the kitchen and they mm-hmm. go and they start watching TV and nobody turns off anything that would right. have been playing Radiohead in the kitchen at the time. But the Radiohead isn't on anymore and they're watching TV. I agree. And I have. I'm so glad because I was like, am I the only one who gets caught up in like like in The Crow where I was like, if you're going to be listening to it <laughs> in the movie, then you're listening to right. it in the movie and you have to act like it's actually on. Yeah. And I have it written in my notes twice asking does this song play twice so there were two times that i was like wait do we hear this twice and then i came to a point where i thought it was in here three times but they have another Radiohead song that doesn't hit the actual soundtrack my iron lung plays when ty meets travis in the lineup in the cafeteria and they talk about marvin the merchant yeah which i think is interesting so if we're going to talk about radiohead i think we absolutely have to talk about the fact that they are like the epitome of like a college like a university college student's favorite band for me anyway i thought that like to get a university degree Ah. you needed to like radiohead right to me it's like smart if you're smart and sad yeah those are yeah i find it interesting that they decided to include it with ty and a hundred percent travis it makes no sense right and then so they connect it with ty and travis who are like the loadies they like smoking weed they yeah. like skateboarding they, when they made everything. each other it should be some like pop punk song right? or something like because it's perfect for josh i mean and then right we hear like the maudlin sounds of college radio Right, that quote yeah. describing Josh, yes, and then we see Josh, Josh. Oh my God, in his black turtleneck by the pool. Like a black yes. turtleneck is not pool attire, <laughs> but neither is his reading material, which like he's just sitting there reading Nietzsche. Right. Yes. Which no one fucking does. <laughs> That is not just something you read while reclining by the pool. It's interesting, especially because Karen Rockman and Amy Heckerling said they specifically tried to connect the music with characters. Right. Like they wanted to tell. Which makes complete sense. It made no sense to me that it was connected to them at all. That They got Mm -hmm. my iron lung because I don't think either of them would listen to it. Um, yeah. And they almost made fun of Radiohead with yeah with the maudlin mm-hmm. college radio. And so you're like, you've got maudlin Josh who's boring and listens to Radiohead. They do bring back fake plastic trees in the scene after when Josh goes to pick up Cher outside the liquor store. I'm pretty sure that oh, fake plastic okay. trees is oh, playing yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. in the car at that yeah. point when his girlfriend is just totally rolling her eyes at Cher. Right. And misquoting Hamlet. Yes. <laughs> That I feel like I got through understanding Hamlet only because I remembered Cher says, no, that's Polonius that says, to thine own self be true. It's so good that she remembers that. They were also afraid to ask Radiohead to be on the soundtrack because they thought that essentially that Radiohead would think they were making fun of them. But luckily Radiohead kind of saw the funniness in it. They saw the joke and yeah, they They, gave them two songs. I don't think that they are... 
their their music is serious, but I don't. I think that they also appreciate life. All right. I know very little about them, but I'm just making assumptions. No. <laughs> I thought maybe you and Tommy York were like really besties. Yeah, close. Yeah. Okay, so from here we go to the lightning seeds change. Another shoulder, like, like I can bop to it, but I got very little to this say. This is like one of my least favorite songs. Like, I yeah. it doesn't do a lot for me. Although, so this is another montage. Yeah, it is. And it's basically the montage of Elton being creepy. Okay, I thought this was when Cher was getting, like, applauded by the student body for connecting Geist and... Yeah, it might be. I think it is. So all of that is going on in the montage. But Elton is always like in the background being a creep. He like he's a creep. He's like rubbing Cher's shoulders at one point, and she like slides out. And like obviously, this is all before the she's sexually harassed by him. Right. But it's like he's yeah no he's not good. No, and I feel like. I really think that Dion and Murray would have had better insight into Elton's character based just on his actions because they seem like they would read that better. You anyway, would think, although they're very. Think. I in guess their own they're world. also self-involved. Yeah. Like, what was it at the party when Murray's getting his head shaved, which is oh, a great scene? So good. And then, so good. oh, that's when they leave, and Elton is driving them mm-hmm. home, and Cher says that. D is like making a bid for like the biggest meltdown of like any party of the year or something like that. And so, yeah, they're very much in their own world. This is a song I would totally swap out of the soundtrack to get like Shoop in there. Yes. Or one of hundred or like girls just want to have fun, which shows up for five seconds earlier. Like you get the intro to girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Right before the scene that has the terribly amazing, my doctor says I can't do anything that has balls flying at my face. Oh, there goes your social life. There goes your social life. Such a great burn. Such a good one. If it was anybody other than Amber, I'd be like mildly offended, but no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So So yeah, swap that one out, put in, put in shoop or girls just want to have fun. Yeah. And moving on to Smoking Popes Need You Around. This is where we get into like my favorite part of this soundtrack. Oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I this song's great. 
Like, I don't have a ton to say about it because it's awesome. But when is this in the movie besides the credits? Just the credits. Just the credits. Which, again, as I've said before, I'm not a big fan of. Mm -hmm. Having a song on your released soundtrack that was only over the credits is just a weird move to me. Yeah, and I feel like even just this intro is so good that you can imagine this in like a thousand different scenes in this movie. Yes, for sure. Feels like like a missed opportunity, but I mean, I'm glad it's here. I'm glad it's here. Smoking Popes is a band that like, you know, I heard of a number of times, but never really got into. And I think I only knew them from soundtracks, like personally heard their songs on soundtracks. Mm -hmm. I think they had two tracks in Angus. And this made me think about them being on Angus, because I think you're right. But Angus is also another soundtrack that you don't like on Apple Music. You don't get all the songs. Oh, I haven't even looked it up yet. Yeah. So I need to, I definitely don't own that soundtrack on like disc or cassette. So I need to find it anyway. But yeah, I don't really have it. I mean, this this song's great. I could listen to this song all day. I love it. It's very very like 80s reminiscent for me. His vocals are. His vocals are for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's overall great pop punk. And now. And now. Mullethead by the Beastie Boys. pretty much left this all for you that's funny because we didn't even talk about how it would be all for me but (laughs) well i see that you have a beastie boys book over there so i knew that it would be yeah it would be all for you this song was a b-side so it's one of those cases where it's like a release that you wouldn't normally get if right which is great we've already covered that and how exciting that can Mm be so a lot of people don't know i feel like that beastie boys started out as a hardcore band yeah which is cool and then i mean obviously on stuff on their later albums. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been all across the board. So like uh, License to Ill, though, there's just like, it's all over the place with some yeah. hardcore and like. Because this was my introduction to Beastie Boys. Right. And then when I, you know, started listening to later releases, it was just really surprising to me because I didn't know much about them. Yeah. And then you hear like Check Your Head, which is yeah. all pretty much mostly hip hop and right? like funk. Yeah. But I I love this because this is Travis's time to shine. Yeah. I love it, love it, love it. And I already said, so I knew Breckenmeyer from Freddy's Dead. And when yeah, just him in this movie, he is such a dreamboat. But this is him when he got sober and he really focused on skating. And he just is so amazing. And Ty and Cher realize it. But also in this scene, Breckenmeyer actually was like he was skating himself. Like that was him doing the tricks. All of it? I don't know if it was. I was sure I don't it's not. Because there are times when you're like, there's definitely, that's got to like be a, a double. skater. Because, Probably. Because, just because of the way the shot is framed. Yeah, that's true. But he did incur like an injury from it. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, but I love how they introduce you to the fact that he's sober, which is just that he donates the bong. Yeah, he's like, I started. I'm in a new club. Oh yeah, and there's steps. I don't remember how many, and sure, it's like (laughs) twelve. Which, like, if you don't know too about, you couldn't. You might not have caught that. Yeah, that's true. But I also that's sort of what I love about this movie is that they work in such hard hitting themes in such a flippant way. Yeah, that I don't. It's 
it's just everything this movie is and somehow does all of those themes justice right as opposed to like movies like reality bites where they just try and throw in you know mentioning the aids crisis but right they do it so fucking <laughs> terribly with movies that are in different time periods, we're going to see treatment that probably we we would not be okay with today. Oh, we yeah. still aren't okay with. But I also feel like this movie wasn't harsh. Like it it's wasn't it wasn't embarrassing in the way that so many '90s movies are. And Christian was welcomed into their friend group. And yeah. oh yeah, I yeah. think I think they used the R word at, yeah. at least once. Which like, but. That's, it is, it's, that is, I mean, they took time, spent time with kids of that age group to yeah. get the right dialogue yeah. for this. And, and that was what is, they would have been saying it at is, the time. Right. Like, it's funny when you rewatch these because it's so glaring now. Yes. But yeah, I didn't notice it whatsoever in the time period, which I'm so happy that things have changed. But absolutely. Yeah. This movie, as in comparison to its counterparts, yeah. Yeah. Does a pretty okay job not sucking. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you want the most fun fact about the song Mullethead? You know, I want a fucking fun fact. By the Beastie Boys. It is Give it to me. the first documented use of the term mullet. Shut up. For real? Like, Beastie Boys made up this word? So, there's debate as to when it was made up, but the first, like, recorded use. Wow. There's a podcast. That um, fact is fun. That is a fun fact. Isn't it great? Fact. Yes. Because, uh, you know, obviously probably the first time I ever like heard it mentioned it was as hockey hair. Or there's all kinds of different terms for a mullet prior to mullet. Yeah, but uh, I remember, I mean, when I discovered what a mullet was, it was like, it was at Warp Tour. So I was obviously old right. enough that I would have thought I would know the word. But yeah, like it was like 96. Yeah. So 97. There's so a podcast. This called yeah. decoder ring okay that i listened to so they had an episode where they discussed the origins of the word mullet a whole episode uh, like i think it was various mullet things but Amazing. i know that's where they talked about yeah. this so there is also arguments made that it the term originated in australia mm. which is entirely possible that the mm-hmm. beastie boys heard of it through australians um but from what they could tell this is the first recorded documented use was in this song and then the first printed use of it that the people who were talking about this could find was in the beastie boys own grand royal magazine in the next year in 1995 wow i love the fact that there could be a student sometime in like history of english which was like a second year course that i had to take and they have to like find out the etymological root Yes. Of the word mullet. And in there, somewhere, the Beastie Boys are part of formal documentation. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, I don't have any facts quite that fun, Ah. but I love it. I was so stoked to uh, (laughs) when I realized that this song was on here because I had forgotten that it was specifically this song. And I was like, I have some trivia. (laughs) Well, that was really good. I got nothing to compare to that. So are we moving on? Yeah, let's move on to the Mighty Mighty Boston. The Mighty Mighty Boston's where'd you go?
I love that it's where you I go. Know. That took me a second. I had to make sure that I was reading it correctly. But yeah, a live cameo. Classic in Classic. the tradition. Classic. And in the tradition of 90s movies with live ska band cameos. Right. Why would, yeah. I mean, I guess that was when I should know my ska waves was this third wave. Anyway. Should you? Yes. <laughs> that's that's important. Okay. All right. There are I'll various be... waves that start in di- anyway. Yeah, yes. you're right. So okay. the, like the one that I participated in. I was is just going to ask, were you I feel like either you like ska or you're just not fun. Right. Right? <laughs> and I was definitely I was the only one in my friend group that liked ska. Oh wow. So I went, did you see the Mighty Body Boston's when they came to London no. warp tour? <gasps> I saw them. Nice. And no one wanted to watch them with me. <laughs> oh, they were great. Dickie Barrett was great. Yeah, they were great. And I think, too, though, they were a band that introduced me to more Scott. Oh, 100%. Because his voice is so not my thing. But I, I love it. I appreciate it. His but voice they, is so my thing. I can see that. Raspy. Yeah. Like... It's just not, yeah, like it's, again, it's totally personal, but I love their songwriting. I love, I love how boppy and fun it is. But I also love how, feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I think that Dickie Barrett might've at one point been in like a hardcore band because he's got like some harsh vocals at times. I have no reason to agree with that, but I think you're right. (laughs) That's one of the things that I really like about their version of Ska yeah. Is that it was like harder at times. Yeah, for sure. Like he yells a lot and he's got that raspy yeah. like. And then fun fact, not as fun as your fact, but Mighty Mighty Boston's were actually, basically their manager was kind of caught up in some weird stuff. Yeah. And it led to them getting paid more than they were supposed to. Like oh. contractually, he kind of worked their contract in a way that they got paid so well, they actually were paid for their appearance they were paid more than Alicia Silverstone. Ah, wow. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, they did play two songs. They and did. there are about a million of them on stage, including <laughs> my favorite thing ever, which is a band member who just dances. Just dances. And How do you yeah. get that job? I want it. I've always wanted it. It's yeah. so good. I remember, I feel like the first instance I ever saw of that was The Prodigy, although he also sang some, but he was a lot, there was a lot of dancing. I think this is the first band that I saw it in. I've seen it in bands since, yeah. but... It's great. Yeah, it's great. Oh, also, when this was written and when Boston's basically like got to set, Amy Heckerling had written this as Josh's frat party, which A, Josh wouldn't be in a frat, yeah. but B, the Boston's were like, no, we're not playing a frat party. This is a regular party. Which that's then, amazing. It's I, not even a party. It's a concert. It's but a concert. Like the fact a, that they called it the party all the time was bugging. Yeah, me. I was always like, remember, there's also that part where Cher says Josh finds the only adult in the room and talks to him, and he's yes. like a 55 year old man, it. which it's like he's clearly like I don't know doing books for the club that yeah. this is at. It's not a 100%. party, but I kind of let that go in my younger days because I was just like, oh, maybe that's what it's like in Beverly Hills. Ah. As a teenager, you go to a bar. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But this was a fantastic scene. Love the song. And they play two songs in the scene, which is great. 
Yeah, they play. Yeah, yeah. And then there's so much to love in the scene itself. Like Ty True. walking in and falling down the stairs. Oh She's my God. Which, so cute. Have I told you how funny I think falling down the stairs is if no one gets hurt? No, I thought you were going to say, have I told you how many times <laughs> I fall down the stairs when I walk into a room? No, I've, I just, I feel bad because I find falling down the stairs so funny. I find falling so funny. Right. Oh my God, you would love, there's an account, <laughs> an Instagram account called um, Kids Getting Hurt. Oh and as long as they're fine. I know people are fine. And they are. They'd always like they're submitted by the parents usually. So okay. there's one recently that was from a ring camera and it involves stairs. I will show it to you later. It <laughs> so is we amazing. Have a, we have a ring camera and Brady comes in and he's like, I have to show this to you because I know it'll make you so happy. And it's him falling. Ah! <laughs> Falling down the stairs. It was Love just like, it. I do. This made me so happy. Thank <laughs> you for showing it to me. So, yeah. But so Ty falls down the stairs. Yeah. She has to figure out all those different ways to wear her shirt. Which is so cute and it's so easy to miss. I, but like every time they cut back to her and there's like a different situation and a different way that she has her shirt. I love it. I I mean, I just took that as like fashion inspo and did all of those right. things. She's when, so adorably yeah. awkward. Uh, yeah, so totally good. Totally my kind of girl. Yeah, she's great. And then anything else? I mean, it's just a great scene in general. Okay. Oh, also, Christian. Wait, Christian saying. Can you believe they charging for brewskis? Yes. Love it. <laughs> that's great. Amber and Elton getting together. Oh, yeah. That's this scene. Perfect. Because they're yeah. both, you hate them both so much. You hate much. them both. Why do we hate Amber? I don't know. But I don't know. I feel bad about it, but we do. Yeah. We're, mate, we're supposed to. We're supposed to. And then Josh dancing with Ty. Oh, Paul Rudd, you're so sweet. And, yeah. and Cher's like, uh, Josh never dances. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, I guess that's why. Yeah. He's not He's not the best. He's not the best, but he is the best. He's so endearing. Yeah. So, so true. And finally, who stage dives at the end of the song? Yeah. Oh, I did read something about that, but I forgot to make a note of it. They just did it so many times because he did it once and Amy Heckerling loved it and oh, then made goodness. him do it. A thousand other times. Because it's a pretty like measly crowd too. Yeah. So there's like just enough people to hold them up. Yeah. Oh. Do you know mm. that the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones just broke up? I'm not surprised by that. Like, I feel like ska bands stay together forever. I swear it was like two weeks ago I saw really? a post about it. Oh wow. Like I'm pretty sure twenty twenty two. Wow. They broke up. Yeah. Well, that's an end of an era. Yeah. Too bad, but great run. <laughs> I know. Who like what have they been doing for the last <laughs> Probably 12, just playing like shows in California. Twenty That's years. what I imagine they just do all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean there is still some good ska coming out, but Yeah. yeah. Well, ska. Love ska. it. And we're done with that. And now let's change genres completely. Completely. Again. Completely. Two. Coolio. Rolling. With my homies. That's a key, like, that's important because 
Elton and Ty sing it both wrong. sing it wrong. Yeah. And like totally out of key. Rolling with the homies. And you got the hand. Yeah, you have to have the hand mesh- oh, the you can't gesture. Not. Yeah. I love when he's, it's so dumb when he's like, are you okay? Can you dance? Can you do this? Uh, he's, he is so many, so many people that I knew. Just, yeah, the worst. He, and he's like, acts like he's good, of course. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Shelfing the Elton hate for one second. Yeah. Because we have to give Coolio some credit here. Right. Yes. But totally. I have more Elton oh, shade. Oh, I have more Elton shade to throw yeah. too. But not shockingly, my Coolio knowledge is minimal. Yes. And it is pretty limited to this song and Gangster Paradise. Right. Gangster's Paradise. Because I think, like, not that I, I loved him. But it was also at the point where I was getting so far away from rap and like dance music and really getting into like rock music right. that he just didn't get a chance. He just didn't stand a chance in my teenage gal life. He just always seemed a little more commercial than I wanted. Yeah. And that was the one thing with this song. He actually like did not like a reprise, but changed the song because this is a more commercial version and oh, then okay. when he puts some uh puts out another version of this on fantastic voyage it's a little less yeah Poppy. funsies right. yeah i mean yeah. i did for a while listen to like dj jazzy jeff and the Pre- fresh mm-hmm. prince so i'm not saying i didn't like <laughs> yeah. poppy rap but it was uh, yeah yeah it just wasn't it was just at a time period in my life too where the 90s very much which i actually love the fact that this was included on this soundtrack because there was such a divide between rock and oh rap, for sure right and they were very much like pitted against each other but not on this and mm-hmm. i think too the direction of the soundtrack very much goes away from grunge there is no yes, stereotypical completely. like 90s grunge on here and i think that including this was a nod to that and a nod to the fact that there were just so many genres happening aside from grunge yes. which was getting all of the headlines at the for time sure. so and yeah. then it's interesting too that now, like hip hop dominates popular mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. like popular now. culture in yes. general, right? Like, Which yeah. Um, so yeah, it is good that they they weren't completely behind the times. They tried to. Uh, they tried. Yeah, there they was tried. another hip hop song in this yes. in the movie. It's yeah. not on the soundtrack. And I had it in my handwritten notes. I don't have it on here, but yeah, yeah, there wasn't a ton. After this scene is when Elton drives Cher. Yes, and we get away by the cranberries. Yes, I want to know what do they have against the cranberries because elton references them multiple times right? yeah. where he's like i have to go to the i have to go to the hall i need to get my cranberry cd or whatever he says the quad the quad he's gotta that go was get it, it before that someone it. steals yeah. it and so they intentionally connect the cranberries to elton but the cranberries are like i love the cranberries i think that the connection is that he's like performative about it i think because oh. So he's trying to, I feel like they're presenting it is that he is making a point of acting out that he is an emotional guy and showing that he is by being a fan of the Cranberries. So he like loudly to class announces it. Right. And then when they're listening to it in the car, he's like, look how I know the words. I can sing along. But he's singing along so terribly and like off key and like off time. And you're just like, this is just bullshit posturing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for... I, I think 
I like that. Is. I like it. Do you also know what happens in this scene? What? <laughs> the Twin Peaks reference. Oh my God. Okay. It's not like anything. Because you told me there was one, there and I was, had no idea yeah, what it was. It was actually my seven-year-old pointed it out. She's like, "Mom, Mom, Twin oh my Peaks," God. and I had to re- rewind so it cute. because, of course, I didn't notice that in the '90s. But I think that again, like obviously being obsessed with Twin Peaks now Mm -hmm. and knowing that they were that as a show it was so important to 90s culture like this movie does give a well-rounded just representation of what people were fixated on in pop culture for sure so I love that yeah she says I'm totally having a Twin Peaks experience and we don't need me to like deep dive into why Ah. it's not a Twin Peaks experience it's just Elton being a fucking asshole well I guess you missed it too I love that your seven year old is trained (laughs) oh she finds everything Twin Peaks inspired anything is Twin Peaks to her though but that's okay the second there's black and white stripes yeah but I Uh, agree I like to find the Twin Peaks in everything too so I can even find it in Clueless it's amazing but Moving to one of the bangers. Banger. I love this song. I listen to it all the time. Just used it in an Instagram reel nice. recently. <laughs> it's so good. It I is mean, great. Yeah, the keyboards, everything about it is fantastic. It's all right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Bye, right. <laughs> I was just busy Yeah, thinking about how much I love the song. Yeah. Supergrass. All right. Yeah. This is their fifth single off of the album I Should Coco. And it was released concurrently with Clueless, so it totally helped their oh, nice. international success. Did you listen to much Supergrass other than this? No. Yeah, no. I only really know this song. And I know that they are popular to people. Um, yeah. But this was pretty much my only exposure. Yeah, same. The band says they never meant for this to be the teen anthem of rebellion that it became. Ah. But it was sort of about them being 13 or 14, which I'm like, you're a very different 13 or 14 year old than me. Ah. Ah. <laughs> like, right? Because you have the lines like, can't get, or, can't go mad, don't got time, sleep around if we like. Wow. 13 year old me, no. just not not what I was thinking about. Those but Brits, apparently. Uh, I guess so. Whole different world. Yeah, whole different world of teenage rebellion. <laughs> Still, I love it. Um, this is when the group's taking the, all the pictures. Yes. Like when Cher's taking their pictures. And at the time, like, I don't know, you got anything to say about the photo shoot here? I think it's super cute. It's adorable. How does she take, the, like, she takes so many photos. Mm-hmm. Like the cost, every time that you hear the <laughs> click, I'm like, oh my God, that's costing you I so much money. <laughs> So this is where I'm like, Elton, fuck off. When he's like, make me a copy. Yeah. What? No. Copies are so expensive. Whether or not Cher was getting it developed or developing herself. No. no. Like, I remember when friends would be like, can you make doubles? Uh, yeah, if you pay me. Yeah. Like, doubles were so expensive. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah. anyone's listening that doesn't really know what we're talking about, I, I, I don't know. Have I you mean, seen this movie? <laughs> the glory of digital cameras. Right. Of like, although then also there's the whole thing where it's sad because you'll just sit and take 8 million shots to try to get the perfect one and then you just sit there with all of them on your phone and never look at them again oh my goodness but remember the travesty of like taking photos with your friends and then getting them developed and looking disgusting in all of them (laughs) (laughs) 
But then there was like the beauty of it made the one good shot oh, yeah. like so important. It was so Just important, like, yeah. Even with photos of being a kid, like when we were kids, there were so fewer photos taken of us than you would take of a kid now. Oh my gosh. So like there's so many photos. Actually, I just got sent like five photos of me as a small child that I had never seen but so many of the photos of you as a child, like, you know them. You know them. By heart. Yeah, and, and like, I feel like it's part of how you remember that moment so vividly in your brain. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. I only remember the stuff that there are photos of, and I think I only remember it because of the photo, not because of the actual totally. experience. Totally. It's this whole, like, weird nostalgia, like, brain thing. Yeah. That, I don't know, kids won't have now. No. Which is fine. Not. I'm not yeah. I'm not one to Although, be angry about stuff like this. I'm just saying right. it's an interesting difference. It's an interesting difference. But disposable cameras are coming back. Mm-hmm. I love that like photographers now will like mention what disposable camera they've used for photos. Which right. I get it has a very interesting aesthetic. It is not one that that <laughs> I am super into after living through yes. the the terror. I also um, really appreciate people using expired film. Have you ever used a pinhole camera? Um, I don't think so. Oh. I always thought they were awesome. Yeah, though. they're fun, but also, I mean, takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Supergrass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the song that we were was, talking about. That was what we were talking about. I yeah. think it's funny because like, if a song is too bad or too good, we don't even, it's there's just like much, you're just off on yeah, something else. Yeah, there's too much connected to it. Exactly. Yeah, that but song is great. I also think that scene is so iconic um, to yes. anyone that actually, like, that really loved that movie. Like, that's where you're really learning about all of them. Like, Dion's the one that, you know, she's putting her arms around people, and Elton Ugh. begrudgingly puts his arm around Ty. And she looks and, so sad off to the side. Yeah. Oh. The worst. Ty. All right. Okay. So, Velocity Girl, my forgotten favorite. This is not my favorite. Mine neither. I have nothing to say. I wrote down total throwaway, and that was while I was watching the movie. And then when I was re-looking at my notes today, I was like, did I mean in the movie or on the soundtrack? (laughs) And then I decided it's both. Yeah, because this is their calorie fest at the mall. Right, that's yeah. the scene. Yeah, it's barely there. It's just background noise. Barely like, there. I hate that. This is also like I don't like this talk. I don't like this stereotyping of girls no. talking like this behind people's backs. I For just sure. don't like it. So, but like uh, on the soundtrack, why give us this that you barely hear in the movie when we could have had the cranberries? Yeah, great question. I there's a lot of critics that say this is the best song on the soundtrack. To which I say, no. I know nothing about this. It's got like, there is like a shoegazy vibe to it. Like That was something, yeah, one of the critics said. Okay, yeah. I mean, even the audio mix of the vocals being almost on par with the guitars, like there is like very. Yeah. Yeah. I, whatever. And shoegaze is not for everybody. So <laughs> I can only do my bloody Valentine yeah. and that's about it. All right. Done and done. Thank you, Velocity Girl. So here we are. We're here. So good. Jill Sabuel, Supermodel. 
song that changed my fucking life. I <laughs> love this song. I can really see that for you. Yeah. Yes. It was a big deal. Jill Sabuel is a big deal for me. I think she's a very underrated artist to a lot of, well, not to a lot of people, to many, right. most people. Yes. I um, only know this song. You will know her other single, I think. Her other okay. single came out uh, the same year. It's off of the same album and it was released concurrently with Clueless. It's called I Kissed a Girl. Oh. Right? Yeah. 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 It's the sweet 90s folky version of I Kissed a Girl. Right. This is where I get totally off topic because I remember walking into, this is just a callback to our jeans conversation. Yeah. I walked into From Mars, which is a little like Ooh. boutique in London. Nice. And they specifically, they were like a snug retailer. Ooh. And I walked in and they were blasting this song. Ah. And I was like, is this Jill Sabuel? And the owner was like, yeah, do you like her? And I only knew this song. Of course. But of course, I was like, yeah, yeah, she's so good. And then that, she took the time to like, tell me all about like her as an artist. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. So I really love her. So as much as I love this song, I found something out about it that changes everything. Okay. What is that? Jill Sabuel did not write this song. Oh. Right? Who? I know. Is it written by somebody that we know? Or it's it... written just by by like a professional songwriter. Oh, okay. And Sabuel added the bridge. I didn't eat yesterday. I didn't eat. I didn't oh eat. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Right? So my main note about this song, because uh-huh. I was listening to it in preparation for this, and then I heard that bridge, mm-hmm. and I'd never fully paid attention to it before, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Is this song ironic? It is very much so. I never realized that. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a supermodel. It's going to be awesome. And then I heard that bridge that's like, I didn't eat today. I didn't eat yesterday and I won't eat tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're making fun. Yeah. And I think that. Way over my head. Yeah. Like, I think that that is part of when it comes to Jill Sabula as an artist, she was written off because so many people took her at surface level. Right. And they didn't listen to the lyrics. And I think when it comes to this song too the inclusion of this in Clueless in this version in this form mm-hmm. um, with what Sabuel adds is that like it really does add this whole other layer to like share making over tie because right. that's when it happens right that's when this song is played and it you know it becomes this comment on share trying to create someone in her image and in right turn, totally kind of creates this narcissistic monster and helps Cher realize that this isn't really what life is about. I never got that until this hearing the bridge this time and I was just like, oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. I I always just thought it was like this is what Cher wants to be. And I think that Which that, she does like yeah, yeah. It makes it a really fun song, but a really deep, smart, fun song. And For sure. I love that Jill Sabuel didn't use any clips from the movie in the video. Oh, nice. However, she did make it like a Carrie themed video. Ah, and I absolutely adore that like comment and that combination of Carrie and Clueless together. Absolutely. Because there's no way you can hear this song, even in 1995, and like separate it from Clueless. No. So that connection of Carrie and Clueless really does add that, like again, interesting layer to what Cher is trying to do. Yes. And that idea of like the unpopular girl looking in, thinking the only way that she can become popular is to sort of succumb to all of these superficial expectations 
conversations and mm-hmm. doesn't always work out well, but it did end up okay and clueless. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it's wild how much she did screw up Ty, like, and yeah. create a monster. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy in the film that we don't get that for too long. Oh no, it's great. Like there's yeah. no unraveling and I appreciate that. But she still calls her a virgin who can't drive. Mm-hmm. And that's in just the mean. meanest tone. The yeah. meanest tone. I was listening to a podcast <laughs> recently that was talking about the terrible way of teen girls insulting other teen girls, which is just by stating the truth. Yeah. With a tone. And so even so when you go to tell your teacher like, oh, so and so is bullying me. And it's like, what did they say? Well, they said I have red hair. (laughs) It's like, well, you do have red hair. Very true. And like, it's just it's so hard to argue. It is like or was at least a common. I don't know if it's still a common way of girls bullying other girls, but it is very much in line with that idea of. Yeah. These are the facts, but I'm using them as an insult. Yeah. Very, very true. And yeah, I mean, this song fantastic wonderful end to the soundtrack it's the perfect end to the soundtrack yeah the bookends on the soundtrack are amazing top notch yeah so i don't know i feel like i just want to watch the movie again i've even i watched it fairly recently and then rewatched it for this same i watched it twice this weekend (laughs) do you know what okay so i've got two other songs from the movie that we haven't discussed that that i think should be on the soundtrack Mm -hmm. jewel didn't even realize me neither. i didn't even realize me neither okay covering all by myself it's another cover by who is it isn't it a cover i don't know the i didn't i should have looked into i'm it. pretty sure it's a cover okay anyway jewel okay. so and then also that's in the scene where she realizes that she loves josh she's walking in front of the fountain and then the fountain lights go up oh my god i love josh <laughs> that was spot on i know love it know. Uh, how could you not love josh there's the song Tenderness, who I don't remember who it's by. Um, it's a great song. It's uh, and, But it's one of the songs that Girl Talk used in a song. And oh, so I always think of the Girl gosh. Talk song. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I can't think of what song you're talking about, but if Girl Talk used it. I can't think of it either right now. <laughs> Yes. Tenderness yes, yes, by yes, yes, general yes. public. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, this song. Yeah, why could why could we got this instead of lightning seeds? Yeah, this is a great but then I automatically go start going bounce with me, bounce with right. me. Right. Yes. Yeah. So much fun would have been great on this soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um could have fit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh if we got that and the Bowie and the Salt and Pepper and some cranberries. Yeah. Then that would have been this song would have yeah. been or this album would have been top notch. And top part notch. of it that takes the overall impression of the whole album down for me is knowing what could have been. That's true. And you really do know exactly what could have been. Yeah. All right. Well, that's unfortunate, but I appreciate your opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for changing my thoughts only slightly on this. <laughs> and I suppose this is where I will thank everyone for joining us. Until next time, I will be declining any invites to play Suck and Blow while accumulating zero tardies. I'm just going to go hang out at the mall, but not hold somebody off the balcony of the second level. I appreciate that. 
as a mall goer as well. It's a respectful <laughs> thing to do to not treat somebody like they might fall. Great point. We are so grateful you joined us. Uh, thanks to Artie Wasco for our theme song. Duncan for the microphones. And we're just happy you were here. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for a future compilation or soundtrack. You can email us at sidetracked with Abby, A-B-B-I-E, and John, J-O-N, at gmail.com. And if you liked what you heard, you could rate and review us on any of these platforms. Yeah, wherever you're listening, if there's a way to rate and review, please do. Yeah. I mean, if they're good, yay. If they're not, we will learn from your suggestions. So thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. I love Josh. (laughs) 